Hi folks, I'm Alan Watton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on June the 8th, 2011. For newcomers, look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. You'll find hundreds of audios for free download where hopefully I can show you the shortcuts to understanding this massive system you're born into, the reality of it, way above the media level. The media is there to keep you stuck in the middle, as media means, and it never helps you to get to the top of understanding. And to show you how this world system has been in existence for a long time, this global system, this big massive organization of foundations, uh, international bankers, and various um, other NGOs, etc., all, all combined together, working with the United Nations as well, to bring in the global society. There's no conspiracy about it. They've published enough material on this for the last hundred years, and um, we're living through the big changes that they expected for the 21st century. That's why they called the, the 21st century, as they said it would be the century of change, and they meant the changes that, that were planned to happen to bring it truly global. So you're living through the chaos now, and um, there's a lot more to come, unfortunately, as you go through the big transitions into the new society. And, and be taught, really, that's a new authoritarian society. If you haven't noticed, that's exactly what it is. They said they'd do away with democracy, although, although they'd use the term democracy, uh, being the hypocrites they are, when they go off to bring democracy to other countries by force. And remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you, so you can help me out as well by buying the books and discs I have for sale at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And remember, from the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check or an international postal money order from the post office. You can also send cash or you can use PayPal. You'll find the donation button on the com site, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Uh, just uh, send the appropriate amount and follow it with an email with name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. And straight donations really are very, very welcome in these austere uh, inflationary times. Across the rest of the world, you've got Western Union and MoneyGram, and you also have PayPal again to order using the donation button, and straight donations once again are certainly welcome. It's a tough way to do it this way because I don't bring on advertisers as guests or people who pretend they're celebrities, or you pretend they are, uh, to... Uh, I've always said, you're as well as getting, getting your plumber on, or a carpenter on, to give their view of the world, because uh, they know more, know more than the average celebrity of, of what's happening in the world. So I don't follow celebrities at all, and therefore I don't bring on people on as guests as well, who are really there to sell things. So it's up to you to keep me going. It's a different way to do it. It's, it's a suicidal way, of course. Many have failed before. But if you like this information, it's up to you to keep it uh, coming out there. Because one day I'll go off there like so many have done in the past, and it's just bye-bye, ta-ta, and uh, that's that. You know, that's that. Uh, things are getting pretty tough these days. Now, 
This New World Order, as is well recorded, we've had presidents talk about it in the open. They never discuss fully what it means, but generally we get the bits and pieces to piece it together through the various foundations that all work to bring about global governance, as they like to call it. And lots of uh, information can be gleaned from the United Nations' own websites and all the organizations that's under this umbrella of organizations, non-governmental organizations, and so on. So uh, there's a vast amount of information uh, really out there, plus the histories uh, alone put out by the founders of some of these big foundations as to their goals. You'll find that in their memoirs if you bother to read them. Uh, it's always been the same agenda, but they don't like uh, democracy. As I say, they like as an authoritarian expert-ruled society. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix. And it's quite a few years back, in France it was, for I think two years, the World Trade Organization set up an or- itself an office there uh, and a meeting hall. And every country under the United Nations uh, sent members over. The whole idea was to go into other countries and purchase land and start businesses up. But use your own laws and so on to, to, to do it. You didn't have to go by the country's rules, laws, or minimum wages and so on. And people, people I guess, read these articles at the time and think, thought nothing about them. But the fact is, when they start selling off your country to foreign nations or corporations, are you a country anymore? I mean, isn't your country supposed to be your country? I mean, complete, that is, you know. And uh, we find the big boys themselves... They're looking for new hedge funds and new ways out of their, their troubles. All the big banking boys are encouraging uh, corporations to invest in land grabbing, basically. This article is about what's happening in Africa by U.S. universities. These universities are stinking rich because of the money that they charge the students. And, uh, of course, they work, too, with the banks that give the loans, and it's, it's just a big money grab. And this article here says... Uh, Harvard and other major American universities are working through British hedge funds and European financial speculators to buy or lease vast areas of African farmland in deals, some of which may force many thousands of people off the land, according to a new study. It's always a new study, you know, to say. That's how they always end things now. Researchers say foreign investors are profiting from land grabs that often fail to deliver the promised benefits of jobs and economic development and can lead to environmental and social problems in the poorest countries in the world. The new report on land acquisitions in seven African countries suggests that Harvard, Vanderbilt, and many other, many other U.S. colleges with large endowment funds have, all, have, have invested heavily in African land in the past few years. Much of the money is said to be channeled through London-based Emergent Asset Management, which runs one of Africa's largest land acquisition funds run by former J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs currency dealers. Well, who else, eh? Researchers at the California-based Oakland Institute think tank, uh, or think that emergence clients in the U.S. may have invested up to $500 million 
in some of the most fertile land in the expectation of making 25% returns. They are buying up very fertile land because, you see, the leap for the future will be getting non-GMO stuff and not soaked in pesticides either. That's going to be really valuable, really, really valuable. Emergent said the deals were handed as responsibly. Of course they will say that and so on. We'll bring jobs, yeah, 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 you know, half a dozen jobs or something. Anyway, it says that Chinese and Middle Eastern firms have previously been identified as grabbing large tracts of land in developing countries to grow cheap food for home populations. But Western funds are behind many of the biggest deals, said Oakland Institute and Advocacy Research Group. The company that manages Harvard's investment funds declined to comment. And then it goes on to say here, Investors overstated the benefits of the deals for the communities involved. Companies have been able to create complex layers of companies and subsidiaries. That's what they've always done. You have to go through a whole bunch of names to find out who really owns it. To avert the gaze of weak regulatory authorities, analysis of the contract reveal that many of the deals will provide few jobs and will force many thousands off the land. And you see the size, the chunks they're grabbing for peanuts. It's just astonishing. But anyway, it goes into Tanzania. And their deals there, um, where it says that there's refugee settlements holding as many as 162,000 people, that will have to be closed and the people have to be moved off the land before the $700 million project can start. In Ethiopia, a process of vigilization by the government is moving tens of thousands of people from traditional lands into new centers, while big land deals are struck with international companies. The largest deal in South Sudan, where as much as 9% of the land is is said by Norwegian analysts to have been bought in the last few years, was negotiated between a Texas-based firm, Nile Trading, I've heard that before, and development, and a local cooperative run by absent chiefs. The 49-year lease of 400,000 hectares of central Equatoria for around $25,000. There's a stinking deal for you, eh? 400,000 hectares for $25,000, allows the company to exploit all natural resources, including oil and timber. The company, headed by former U.S. ambassador, well, again, jobs for the boys, eh? Howard Eugene Douglas, says it intends to apply for U.N.-backed carbon credits that could provide it with millions of pounds a year in revenues. So they're buying these huge, massive chunks. And, of course, they can grow the great food for themselves, but they, they can also put a lot of it down for carbon credits. They'll go through... Um, and Mr. Rothschild's private bank for the world, and of course the funding all comes from the taxpayers of the planet. What a scam, eh? What a scam. But this, this goes on and on and on. It's quite, quite a long article here. I'll put this up to show you what's happening. As, and it's another way too to get rid of countries, isn't it? Just buy chunks up, call it what you want, and it's owned by so-and-so, a private company. Again, it's a new uh, system, it's, it's non-national, it's, it's really a feudal system where corporations rule uh, the planet. So, that's that one there. And then we go to uh, Australia, interesting this, because at Rio Tinto, which I think was Rothschild owned, and the Queen of England as well, a big mining, massive mining company, is planning to double its fleet of driverless haul trucks. This is a, a novelty, driverless haul trucks. Don't need drivers now. And to deploy them at uh, Pilbara's largest mine site, Yandekugina, it's called, after a two-year trial performed well above exception, expectations. Rio says it will deploy 10 trucks by next April for all haulage requirements. 
in the junction southeast pit, moving high-grade, low-grade and waste material from multiple loading units. The autonomous trucks will begin dumping ore for the first time, a major step in the evolution of the project towards full operational deployment. It will be the first operational deployment of this technology in Australia or anywhere on this scale, uh, Pilbara Operations President Greg Lilliman said in a statement. So it's just amazing, too, how as the, the companies get more and more profits, they need less and less workers and not even drivers now, isn't it? It's quite, quite something indeed. An article by Bernanke, the guy who's the bankie, he, he says here, um, it's a very vague article. It says, tells Diamond to rule, uh, to, to no rule impact study done. So he's telling a no rule impact study done on credit, you see. It says, responding to a question and detailed list of new rules from J.P. Morgan Chase. It says, Chief Executive Jamie Diamond, uh, Federal Reserve Chairman, Bernanke said no comprehensive study of the new rules on credit has been conducted. So they've given new rules across the board on credit now for all businesses and everything. But they haven't given us anything else about it. And and he's telling here there's no comprehensive study uh, overlooking it. In other words, deciphering all these new rules. Well, they will have it done for themselves, but it's not for the public, obviously. It says it's been the most comprehensive financial reform since the 1930s. We don't have quantitative tools to do that, Bernanke say, said. There's going to be some trade-offs here. He said adding the rules could be tweaked later. I'm sure they will tweak them to their own benefit. Always ends up tweaking to their own benefit, isn't it? And as economy really plummets, I mean, there's people in the States uh, that, that call me quite often, and they travel all over the U.S., uh, and some and fly too. Some of them drive and because of their work. And everywhere they're going now in the cities, they're seeing shops everywhere just boarded up and out of business. And, of course, a lot of places too, there's, there's great uh, human habitations, homes, that there's no one's living in now because they all went bankrupt. It's incredible what's happening. I've always wondered this because when you read about the major wars, uh, the country always told the public they were broke before the wars. They were dead broke. And in fact, in the Depression, it went right up until World War II started. And suddenly they get all this cash to go off to war, isn't it? Amazing. And the same thing's happening now. They've got more wars going across the planet than ever before. And, And they've all got cash to throw at it. I think... It's costing Britain, I think, £60 million a week just to bomb Libya and stuff like that. So, so it's just amazing when they claim to the public that they're bankrupt and have no cash to help the public and they slash everything at home. Here they are slaughtering abroad, uh, grabbing the oil fields uh, for the private companies, and, and, and we're paying for it all. Oh, it's, what a democracy we have, eh? It's a lovely democracy, this term democracy. It's so wonderful. Anyway, now, of course, again, even, I guess this is maybe part of Bernanke's new rules. This is a, a little over the top. SWAT team launched Dawn Raid on Family Home to collect unpaid student loans. And it says a father was dragged from his home and handcuffed in front of his children by a SWAT team looking for his estranged wife to collect her unpaid student loans. A stunned Kenneth Wright had his front door kicked in by the raiding party at 6 a.m. yesterday. And this is what they do. They did, like the KGB used to hit you between 3 a.m. and 6 when you're kind of confused and tired and all that. Drag you out of bed. So before being dragged onto his front porch, handcuffed and led to a police car with his three children. 
He says it was then detained for six hours where officers looked for his wife, who no longer lives at the house. It took him six hours to, hours to go through the house. Eh? Mr. Wright was later told by Stockton police that the order to send in the SWAT team came from the U.S. Department of Education. So now, again, these big boys who are financed, they're getting their carbon pits and sinks across the planets and easy deals, cheap loans and all the rest of it, and cheap buyouts, are also telling uh, the cops what to do. Uh, back to debtor's prison, you see, and they want their cash, you see. It says, came from the U.S. Department of Education, who were looking for his estranged wife to collect defaulted loan payments. Speaking to ABC News 10, a visibly shaken Mr. Wright described what happened when he was woken by a banging on his front door. He said, I looked at my window and I see 15 police officers. They, they do that now. They call it overwhelming force. Everything they come out to now is overwhelming force. That article where a little boy broke a, a window with his football, they had helicopters and, and these armored vehicles after him and everything, hunting them down. Overwhelming force, you see. To show you, to be, to tell you to be very, very afraid and get used to it. Always be very afraid. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back in Cutting Through the Matrix. Read an article about the SWAT teams now collecting for the banks for defaulted loan, loans for uh, educational purposes. Anyway, this uh, Mr. Wright uh, says here uh, that uh, he spoke to ABC News 10. He said, a visibly shaken Mr. Wright described what happened when he was woken by a banging on his front door. He said, I looked out my window and I see 15 police officers Dressed in his boxer shorts, Mr. Wright says he rushed downstairs, was about to open the door when it was kicked open. An officer then grabbed him by the neck before dragging him out onto the front lawn. His uh, three, seven and eleven year old children were also removed by officers and put in a waiting police car. He had his knee on my, on my back. This is what they do now. They put their knee in your back. They see it in all the movies, so they copy it. And I have no idea why they were there, so Mr. Wright said. They put me in handcuffs in that hot patrol car for six hours, traumatizing the children. Uh, the Department of Education refused to comment on the incident, saying they would not do so until the case was closed. They did, however, confirm that their Office of Inspector General had issued the search, search warrant. Uh, the officer had his own branch of federal agents that carry out search warrants and investigations. Mr. Wright is now trying to get compensation for this destroyed door. I'd go for more than that if I was him. Speaking to ABC, he demonstrated that although the door had been patched up, the handle no longer worked. They used battering rams on them. I remember seeing them raid a a house on on, uh, a documentary once, and um, the woman who was uh, supposedly in the house was just walking back from groceries, and as they're battering on the door with this battering ram, she's standing there trying to tell him, here's the keys, and she's handing the keys to them. And then they just threw her off the porch and carried, it, carried on battering it down. They want to look like the movies, you see, these steroid uh, children they have nowadays. Uh, with, they have no necks either, have you noticed that? No necks at all. Anyway, it says here, they busted down the door for this. Uh, um, it says, it wasn't even me. All I want is an apology for me and my children and for them to get me a new door. He added, people who have student loans, pay your bills, take care of your credit. If you don't believe me, this could be you one morning at six o'clock. And his, his wife wasn't living there anymore, you see. So that's what happens, and this is meant to get everyone very, very afraid when the police 
are now really the collection agents uh, for uh, debtors, uh, prison, uh, and on behalf of the big banks, of course. And uh, what's new? What's new about that? Now, I've warned people so many times that the, the computer was not given there for your benefit. Before you were given the computer, the whole course of the computer uh, was laid down by those who were going to use it uh, to bring in this world society where they'd dominate you by obser- observing you and knowing everything about you. That's the purpose of it. And I've warned people about Facebook and all the other ones that they give you up free and who come out every so often and tell you uh, that uh, they're, they're collecting all this data and handing it to authorities for a fair price. Of course, they all work together. Personally, I think they're all part of the NSA, just different branches, just private branches, that's all. And Facebook changes privacy settings to enable facial recognition. They didn't tell the public, of course. So it's changed the privacy settings to enable facial recognition by default, and half the Internet is up in arms over it. Is it really... It says, uh, if for any reason you don't want your name to be suggested, you're able to disable uh, suggested tags in your privacy set, said uh, friends. Your name will no longer be suggested in photo tags, though your friends can still tag you manually. And it goes on about, as I say, they, they simply, this is all one of many articles on it, uh, that uh, they, they did this by, I mean, they could keep changing their own rules. They can do that. They own it, right? That's what you sign on to do, that they own it all, and they can collect all that data on you. And the heads of these, these little organizations like Facebook and so on uh, just happen to go to the global meetings now, huh? And you can't catch on. You can't catch on. Hmm. Well, that's pretty tough. Pretty tough. And talking about the, the, the scams to do with carbon, and, and believe you me, the big corporations are going to get an awful lot richer, an awful, awful lot richer with this, this is why the big corporations are, are on board for the carbon schemes. It's, not, it's not going to cost them anything. They're going to profit off it. And Australia, being one of the, the, the most radical countries now, as far as this government goes, uh, uh, has been chosen, obviously, to lead the world uh, by a dictatorial uh, prime minister to go ahead with all the carbon uh, schemes. And eventually it'll come down to, the, to the you, the person. You'll be paying it all. Guess what they come up with now? Killing a camel to earn a carbon credit may seem a curious way to tackle climate change, but one country is poised to allow investors to do precisely that. The camel culling plan is one of the first to arise under the Australian government's new carbon farming initiative, a scheme that lets farmers or investors claim carbon credits if they can show they have cut greenhouse gas emissions. First the camels and then, what, you? You maybe, huh? And I thought it was a joke at first, but it's not. I've also talked about the massive push now for... You understand, we're all classes economic units. That's your only purpose in this system, is to serve the system, work in it, and obey all the laws, uh, be good, be good. That means doing everything you're told to do. Uh, pay taxes and purchase things now and then, be a consumer to an extent, all that's dying off, eventually it'll all all go to carbon taxes and so on, all your excess money. But also, uh, as they're slashing back health systems across basically the world now, uh, it's because they've come to decision a long time ago. And it's far easier to help you die and cheaper than to keep you alive. And anyone 
60 or over, is that eventually you're going to get asked, do you want to die rather than live? That's, you're going to be offered this. And I'll read about this when I come back from this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm back, cutting through the matrix. And just before I take the callers, uh, as I say, I'm talking about assisted suicide. Because you see, the big boys at the top, as I say, they, they say it's more expensive to keep you alive. If after you hit 60, you're going to have different illnesses, you might last another 30 years with these illnesses, but they don't want to um, have to put out the cash on you. They want all the cash that you paid in for your insurance and all the rest of it and your pensions to go to them. In fact, they've already admitted in Britain, for instance, that uh, the, the starting up project money for the communitarian ideas is coming from all these unclaimed uh, bank accounts. These folk who've died off generally or been killed off by the national health system. So they're really promoting this as an alternative. And I've always said you cannot, doesn't matter how you feel about this, you can never give this power to the state because the state has a political agenda and a social agenda. And it's nothing to do with, with your demise in a painless fashion. It's to do with economics. And you cannot give that power to them. But it says here, uh, Terry Pratchett filmed to, be, to show an assisted death. The last moments of a terminally ill man who traveled to an assisted suicide clinic to end his life will be shown in a documentary presented by the best-selling author, Sir Terry Pratchett. So the BBC has become the, the rah-rah leader for this uh, assisted suicide. But, of course, they work for the government since they get paid by them. B- viewers of the BBC Two show will see the writer whose Discworld series of books have sold millions of copies worldwide at the Dignitas Clinic in Switzerland. It's an ad for this, the clinic too, of course, with a 71-year-old uh, motor neuron disease sufferer named only as Peter. So it goes on about uh, how he's going through all this and he's suffered motor neuron disease for years and so on and so on. So Dr. Peter Saunders, uh, director of the charity Care Not Killing, criticized the BBC's decision to broadcast the program, saying it was acting like a cheerleader for legalizing assisted suicide. But that's what they do. They, they're, fun, they're owned by the government. Yeah. He said it's regrettable that a man's death will be shown on screen, but we're also concerned that this documentary will not be balanced given Sir Terry Pratchett's position. The fear is that it will show all the supposed benefits of assisted death with very little redress. And it won't go into the fact, as I say, uh, that the government's all happy because uh, all that pension cash then they can snaffle. And if you've got insurance policies uh, for, for health care and all that, they, they grab that too. And that's what it's all about, economics. Economics and who should live and who should die. What's your value to your community will be eventually put on a questionnaire that you will be handed one day. What is your valid, your, your, why are you so important to your community? That's what George Bernard Shaw said. And I've put up the link so many times where you hear him discussing it for the Fabian Society, which is just a branch of the Royal Institute for International Affairs, uh, which runs the left wing. And, uh, and he said eventually the people will have to come to us and, and, and ask, we, we'll ask them why should we keep you alive? Even if you're fit. I'm not kidding about that. And also to understand too, on some long-running soap in Britain too, they, they showed recently 
an, a, a series where someone's gay lover was dying and the guy puts a pillow over his face and kills him out of compassion. Or maybe it's some new kinky way of enjoying themselves. Anyway, um, I'll go to the callers now. There's Carlo from Atlanta on the line. Are you there, Carlo? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yep. All right. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I uh, recently spent two and a half weeks with my family and friends in Germany, and it was quite an interesting trip. Um, there's, since you're speaking of economics uh, today, there are half, more than half of my friends are not working in their original trade anymore, you know, the one they did an apprenticeship for. Yeah. And the ones who are, and all of those, um, are working uh, government jobs, getting paid very little and barely scraping by, and they don't seem to think anything of it. Yeah. They just think it's normal. Yeah, you, you adapt a bit at a time, a bit at a time, and you think it's normal, simply because no one tells you that it is not normal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also a new normal I've noticed um, when it came to language was the uh, the use of the word friend. Um, I have noticed in the States and in Germany that uh, a lot of people now specify what type of friend they're talking about. Like, you know, the Facebook friend. You can be strangers now, friends with strangers now by a click of a button. Yeah. So um, it means less now than it used to, I think. Yes. And, and plus a lot of the friends aren't even real. Uh, there's called sock puppets put out by the intelligence services to collect data on you. And they can interact with you, too. And you'll never know uh, that you're actually talking to a computer. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting as well. And um, also one thing I've noticed um, as on my first day when I was there um, until I left was that on television, magazines, um, I've heard the word carbon neutral. Mm-hmm. And um, it was everywhere. It was yeah. really interesting. But what I also, none of my friends and family used the word. So I think they must have just started this parroting campaign for the public. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. And also the carbon neutral term. You don't understand that, that to be carbon neutral would mean we're all dead. <laughs> don't exhale. Because literally, uh, you, you, carbon dioxide, we breathe it out all the time. And we are carbon-based life forms. So literally, it's a target which can't be reached unless they kill us all off. And that's the only way they can be carbon. And even then, it's going to go on with grass and all the rest of it and, and plants uh, giving off uh, CO2 uh, and so on. And the sea gives it off all the time when it warms up. So, I mean, it's just an incredible farce we're living in. And it is a farce. But literally, when you understand and you've lived long enough and you've seen enough farces go through, uh, they, they, they can pull it off, no problem. They can make the public, with enough propaganda, believe anything at all. And that's what uh, Bertrand Russell said. He said, he said, eventually it will be hoped that anybody will be able to convince anybody else of anything if it were given sufficient f- funding by the government. And that's happening right now. An utter farce, yeah. Very true. Um, I also noticed um, a lot of chemtrails in, in my hometown. And also I spent four days in southern Germany in Bavaria hiking in the mountains. And um, every now and then, when I was sitting with my friends and family, I just looked up and I was like, oh, what is this? Has anyone noticed these streaks across the sky? And uh, there was no reaction. Oh. But uh, one interesting experience I had was uh, 
I hiked up the mountain. I was about 6,600 feet sitting up there and uh, enjoying a lunch. And within two hours, I've counted over a dozen chemtrails, um, which all came from a central point up north. Yep. And then they fanned out across the sky. It looked quite incredible. And, you know, people just, as usual, went on with their business and didn't even look up into the sky and notice. Again, you see, the public have been trained not to think, and I mean that, not to think at all. That That's an artificial man we're talking about here. It's something, again, the elite had hoped for for so many years that the public would, would be unable to think without an expert coming out and saying, this is what this is, look at it and think about it. If they tell you to think about it, we will. I mean, they give us nonsense sometimes to think about. Look at the media itself every day. That's the rubbish they give you to think about, generally trivia. And people will chat about the trivia. And that's what uh, Brzezinski said in his own book, too. He said, um, eventually the public will be, uh, meaning training them, he said, eventually the public will be unable to think for themselves. Uh, all they'll be able to do is to repeat what they've heard on the previous day's news. In other words, if they're not told about something. And he also said uh, that they'll expect the media to do their reasoning for them. And they do. They do. If the media tells them, oh, panic about this, they will panic. And if the media uh, tells them, don't worry about radiation and we're not going to talk about it anymore, then neither will the general public. Uh, that's how they're all conditioned. You're looking at completely uh, scientifically indoctrinated people who socially, uh, scientific uh, indoctrination, they cannot think for themselves or reason for themselves. Uh, but you tell them, if the media tells them to panic about something or worry about something, they will do what they're told. They will start worrying about it because the media told them. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's an interesting um, dynamic when it comes to speech that I've uh, noticed back home in Germany. Um, a lot of my friends made fun of me when I was speaking German for using what they called old German words, which now have been replaced with English words, because, you know, English is, is so hip and great. So people adapted. And um, um, while at the same time, I mean, I've only been gone from Germany for nine years, and the language has changed a lot, a lot more English words. And at the same time, I have noticed um, a lot of younger people now really getting back to learning the local dialects. And uh, you're from Europe. You know how diverse the dialects are. Yeah. And um, so there's, you have both sides going on right now. And it was very interesting to observe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, again, the, the, the big wigs uh, many, many years ago uh, said that English was, was to be made the, the common language of the planet for commercial reasons. And uh, that's what they've been pushing ever since. Uh, and, of course, most, most, most people in Britain and uh, America, Canada, they don't realize that students across most of the countries across the world get maybe four years of English as a mandatory course. Yeah, yeah it's so, now mandatory in Germany to learn English when you're eight years old. Yeah. I started when I was ten. Yeah, carry on. Yeah. And another thing... Um, the uh, <laughs> uh, the green movement um, yeah. it's it's you know a, a big big thing back home and um, if you have I've learned if you have solar panels on your house on the roof and there's a fire in your house the firefighters will not extinguish the fire because um, there could be some sort of problem or effect on the electrical grid um. so if you're trying to be green 
and uh, <laughs> your house uh, will burn down if you have a fire because the firefighters are not extinguishing it. Wow. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's another dis- disincentive. Yeah. I've, I've seen uh, solar panels everywhere. The government is subsidizing them. I have seen, especially on the way down to Bavaria, farmers who have covered their entire barns with solar panels. Uh, yeah. Villages, they're everywhere. Uh-huh. But um, I don't, I don't want to take up too much time so you can get to some more callers. Um, it was really good talking to you, and um, thank you for taking my call. Thank you for what you do. And uh, I will now get off the phone and listen to the rest of the broadcast. Oh, thanks for the call. That's interesting. And now we'll go to Mike from Chicago, if Mike's there. Uh, hello? Hello. How you doing, Alan? What? I'm hanging on with my fingernails here. Yeah. Um, uh, I heard you talk about humanization um, earlier. Yeah. And I was watching The View, uh, I think it was yesterday, and uh, they were just talking about how, oh, uh, it's okay that uh, if you're over 65, you should die, and, you know, you already lived long enough. Yeah. And I was like, I was thinking to myself, just how incredibly sad it is that people will actually believe that, oh, we need to save money, mm-hmm. uh, the government needs to save money, so why don't we just kill you so, yeah. uh, you know, we can give the teacher or whatever government official more money. And I, and I was thinking to myself, man, how sad, um, the, the, we are our own enemies, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. And they're training the public to start. You understand, again, it's, it's a very clever technique, though, a uh, very old technique, too, where you can actually pick the victim, select the victim, and train the victim to eventually agree with you. Now, you'll find in, in abuse situ- situations, that's what happens to the abused. They'll often agree with the abuser. On a, and what, oh, you had to do that to me because. And it's the same technique they use in torture across the world, all our great forces there. It's the same technique where eventually the abused starts to identify with the goals of the abuser. And that's what they're training us to do through media, movies, uh, news uh, reels, uh, soap operas, as they say, even in, in Britain, uh, and, and training the public. Well, I guess it's true, you know. I, I, I've been on the, I should move over and, and, and make room for someone else to come in that's maybe more important than me. Uh, and that's, that's what they're training the public to do. And I'm kidding you not. They can do it, given time and technique, because it's scientific technique uh, and it's a special understanding of not just the language, but how to put the words together with the proper visual and auditory uh, to literally hypnotize the person who, who's listening. And they call them toolkits in teaching, by the way. You can train a whole classroom of children to, to believe the most horrible thing if you go through the step-by-step formula of the toolkits which are supplied to them. Yeah. Um and Alan, um, what what I realize is they use certain words. They use uh positive uh words. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like neuro linguistic programming. Yeah. Um, have you have you read the book uh, uh the poetic the no, no the rhetorics and the poetics of Aristotle? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I was I was reading. I just recently finished the book, and neuro linguistic programming. Mm-hmm. Uh. Uh, thousands and thousands of years, years ago, they were using that uh, back. That's what Aristotle was talking about uh, in his book. Yes. Yeah. And Aristotle, <laughs> like, too. A- yeah, Aristotle was, was trained alongside Plato. And uh, Plato shows you the technique. Because all you're reading when you read Plato is the technique itself, where he gives you these um, uh, fictitious encounters with people, and he'll lead you off with a, with a premise 
to get your response, and then he'll counter your, your response by saying, but if that's the case, isn't this so? And then he gets you to agree, and then leads you on to the next part until you agree as well. And before you know it, uh, something you were completely opposed to initially, you, you, you've agreed through logic. It's almost like a legalism. You've, you've kind of signed your name with each agreement you've made to him until you have no choice but to agree with the final solution. And that's what they do. Uh, just how uh, in uh, Plato, like I said, in the Republic, they were talking about justice and injustice, and they were talking about how the injustice are the people who can agree on a certain goal, but the justice people are the people that can agree on a certain goal. But what he was trying to imply was that the justice people are the elites because they can yes. agree on killing off 95% of the population. They can agree on putting vaccines and uh, certain type of GMO foods and our foods. Yes. And since we constantly fight against each other, we are uh, the injustice. Yes, and, and what they also said too uh, was really uh, there's never justice as the public perceive it. There's only the appearance of justice. Yeah. yeah. Right. And uh, before I go, um, I have one, one, one more question for you. Uh, have you read the book by uh, Rene Dubose? He's uh, um, he, he worked for the Rockefeller, not Rockefeller Foundation, Rockefeller. Uh, something to do with Rockefeller, and uh, he, wrote, he wrote a book called Salt, Human, and Animal. Have you read that book? No, no. Well, he, talk, well this, this, he wrote this book about, I think, uh, 30, 40 years ago, 1968. Mm-hmm. He talks about uh, the process and how the dehumanization of uh, human beings will go through. Uh, and he was talking about how computers and uh, basically what, what we see now, mm-hmm. uh, back in 1968, before even the first... Um, you know, personal computer came out. That's right. In fact, they had the whole World Society um, set up uh, before that. They took their information really from a, a guy called uh, Weiner, uh, who came up with cybernetics. It was a book called Cybernetics, the Navigator, in other words, how to steer all of society using scientific techniques into the proper conditioned responses you want them all to have. That's what they all copied, and he, he copied that too. But thanks for calling, and we're back after this break. Hi, folks. We're back, and we're cutting through the matrix, and we're going to Frank from North Carolina, if he's there. Are you there, Frank? Uh, yes, I am, Alan. Thanks for taking my call. It's an honor to speak to you. I'm a first-time caller. Uh, you were a big part of my awakening back in 2006. I think I heard you just by happenstance one night on Coast to Coast with George Norrie, and uh, I'm glad I did because I probably spent thousands of hours uh, in the uh, interim listening to you and uh, being deprogrammed from my uh, indoctrination in the military and, and all of that. And uh, you were a big part of my awakening from the false left-right uh, paradigm. And I, I have so many questions I'd love to ask you, but uh, I, I know I've only got a few minutes. Um, can you uh, say anything about any type of uh, physical surveillance or harassment or intimidation you may have had in recent years? I know you had mentioned something about that uh, years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, quite a few years back, it's the most crazy thing. But um, I had the brake lines cut in my car. Uh, that was one thing that happened, and I backed out the driveway, I put the brakes on as I went across the road, and ended up in my ditch on the other side. 
and they're both the front brakes, uh, clean cut, where you have the rubberoids, uh, flexible hose. Uh, it was about two weeks before that, or after, I can't remember before or after that, it was back in the late 90s, and um, I had, I was, I just got off the, t- the uh, uh, talk show with someone, with a host, and or either I was still on with the host that they just after the show finished, and a helicopter came over. It was at night in the pitch black, and uh, next thing I knew, knew my, my, it was in the winter too, the wood stove, um, the doors bust wide open, a flame shot across the roof, and the whole chimney went up in fire. And I ran outside with a hose, which I kept inside, luckily, or it would have frozen, and I, I got up onto the roof, and the, and the chopper was still there. There was actually two of them, but the chopper was uh, right above the house, and it was, it was just, I couldn't see any markings on it at all. They, they weren't, they didn't have their lights flashing either. And it just casually drifted. I could have touched the skid on it as it was leaving. And I think they dropped something down uh, the chimney. No kidding. Like, like a phosphorus grenade, um, or something like that. Because I, t- it was a devil to get out. Um, it was like a Roman candle looking into a fireworks Roman candle. This, this white flame shooting up. And after about 25 minutes, he did literally pouring this water down. Uh, with a hose, uh, I went down to the bottom where the scoop is, where you take out the ash. I'd cleaned that, by the way, that, that chimney had been cleaned that day, that morning. Uh, so there was nothing in it to go on fire. And there was this white powder there, this grayish powder, when it, it dried white and burst into flame again outside. So there's, there had to be phosphorus in it. That's how phosphorus reacts. So um, that happened too. And various other things have, have happened as well. Really weird, odd things uh, have happened pretty frequently, in fact. Um, I stayed near a tower once, uh, one of these big cell phone towers, and one night uh, the, w- the window pane was vibrating. And I, I called up the, the, the communications um, authorities for Canada. The guy said it was impossible. I says, well, it's not only vibrating. I says, this feel, room feels warm. And other people who'd be come in it, into it said the same thing. Well, he did come out with all his meters and gadgetry, and I said, I'm between two cell t- towers, both in the horizon. And he tested his meter all, he was just huffing and puffing like this was going to be silly. And he, he got shocked with the reading it was coming from it. He says not only was he getting a massive high reading, he said uh, they're not allowed to put out this kind of power. And um, I got out of that place rather sharpish as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you do get these odd things happening in, in series often, one thing after another, uh, a form of harassment. But uh, for and again, when we've got more time near the, the, the beginning of the show, and we may we'll discuss more. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your God's go with you. <laughs> 